Well, this morning we have a special treat uh, with uh, a career missionary who's been serving the Lord not only in pastoral ministry but in, as a missionary status and with us for the last 25 years. And so uh, Frank Mills with Youth for Christ International and uh, uh, I'm excited to hear what he has to say to challenge us about answering the call today. So Frank, would you come and share what's on your heart with us this morning? Well, good morning. Uh, as Pastor Brad said, um, you've been with us for 25 years, whether you've known it or not. I remember when God called us, uh, I was the youth pastor at Calvary Bible Church for 12 years. And the Lord began to work in our hearts, made it very clear to us that he wanted us to uh, to leave Calvary, and we ended up uh, with his direction to uh, an organization, a mission agency called Youth Ministry International, where the headquarters are, uh, is in Louisville, Kentucky. And we spent 25 years with YMI, and now we're transitioning as of January 1st over to, as Pastor Brad said, to uh, Youth for Christ International. I can still remember the, uh, the phone call. I was sitting in my office over at Calvary, and one of the secretaries said, uh, Pastor Steve Johnson is on the phone. Remember him, I'm sure, many of you. And Steve said, hey, Frank, I hear that you're, uh, you and Karen are being called to Kenya, and we just had a missionary go off the field, and we have this money that we would like to give to you. Now, that is a real blessing because when you're raising support as a missionary, you usually don't get people calling you up saying, yeah, we, we want to go with you, especially at church. But that was a blessing for us, uh, and that was 25 years ago. And Pastor Steve gave me that call, and you've been with us ever since. Let me begin with a word of prayer as we share God's word with you this morning. Heavenly Father, as we dive into your word this morning, what we are not, make us. What we know not, teach us. I pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. This morning we're going to take a a quick trip, a 35-foot, 33,500-foot flyover of some people in the, in the scriptures who answered the call with simply, here I am. Each time this response was made, extraordinary things happened as people's lives were were changed, and unexpected calls came as well. So we begin our flight this morning. I hope your seatbelts are on, your seatbelt light is on, and we're going to take a flyover of some people's lives. And we're going to begin with Abraham and Sarah. If you remember that 75 for Abraham and 74 for Sarah 
God promised them that they would have a child. And so now, two decades plus five, no child. But two decades plus five, a child comes to Abraham and Sarah. Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 through 4. God calls out to Abraham and Sarah to make a, an incredibly different, difficult decision. Genesis 24, verses 1 through 4. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain that I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up, loaded his donkey, took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When they had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set them out for the place that God had told him. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Can you just imagine the thoughts that were going through Abraham's and Sarah's minds when God told Abraham, I want you to take your son that they have been waiting for and waiting for and waiting for. I want you to take your son to this region, to this mountain, and sacrifice him for me. Wow. Do you think he thought, did I hear God correctly? Did Sarah say to him, you're going where? To do what? Can you imagine how much sleep they must have gotten in those next three days as Abraham and Isaac and two servants journeyed over to the region of Moriah? Can you imagine what it must have been like every time on that three-day journey that he looked at Isaac and saw him and realized, when we get to Moriah... Can you imagine what was on Abraham's mind on that third day when he got up and he looked and there was the mountain off in the distance? Do you ever think that maybe Abraham and Sarah would have said, well, I hope God changes his mind because this makes no sense to me. Oh. Well, we all know what has happened. Paul Harvey would say, you know the rest of the story. God provided not Isaac to be sacrificed, but another sacrifice. But Abraham and Sarah remained obedient to God and made that very difficult situation and answered the call that God said, this is what I want you to do. They remained obedient to him. When Karen and I first sensed that 
that God was calling us away from Calvary Bible Church, uh, and we didn't even really know what God was doing. Uh, when I was the youth pastor at Calvary, I would take students overseas, and we went to Ukraine, and interestingly enough, to Russia, uh, took students from Calvary there. And then one year we went to Kenya, and we came back and had wonderful ministries in, in each of those countries. And uh, now we're, we're, we're praying and seeking God, what does he want us to do? And the phone rings in our home, out on 2nd Street, off West Main. And um, it was our African host, Dr. Jones Kaleli. And uh, he says, hey, Frank, I, I, I'm in the country, and I thought I'd give you a call, and I want you to pray about something for us. I said, okay, Jones, what do you want me to do? He said, would you pray about coming back to Kenya and helping us in youth ministry? I said, well, yeah, I'll, we'll pray about it. And so I get off the phone, and Karen says to me, Frank, who was that? I said, well, it's, it was Jones. What did he say? I said, well, he asked us to come back to Kenya to help them in youth ministry. Now, remember, we don't, we don't know what God's doing. We had no idea. And Karen said, and men, would you listen to me for a minute? Just the men. Ladies, you can listen in. But I have found in 46 years of marriage this coming December 25th. Yep, we got married on Christmas Day in 1976. Anybody else know of anybody who's ever gotten married on Christmas Day? Ah, we're still good. I teach around the world. And when I introduce myself, I talk about we got married on December 25th. Raise your hand. Anybody know? Still nobody. And I've preached all over the world and taught all over the world, and there's still nobody, honey, who, this is my wife right down here in front. Nobody still has been married on December 25th like we did. You did? No, you didn't. Oh, no, okay. <laughs> well, anyway, can't, I'm talking, and guys, still listen, okay? I have found over 46 years of marriage that the Holy Spirit's voice Sounds an awful lot like Karen. Because she said to me, Frank, do you think this is what God wants us to do? I said, Karen, I have no idea, but I told Jones that we would pray about it, and we did for about six months, honey. And within that six-month period, God made it very, very clear to us that he wanted us to answer the call to go to Kenya. Sometimes we're called upon to make some very difficult decisions, just like Abraham and Sarah did. And, and a perspective that Karen and I are beginning to um, weave into our lives with regard to the, the whole idea of doing God's will. We were listening to a podcast not too long ago, and, and a woman wrote a book called What If It's Wonderful? And so what we have been doing as we were seeking God's direction just right up to almost today of leaving YMI and going over to uh, Youth for Christ, we had been seeking God's will and, and praying with 
And we're adapting this philosophy and thought process when it comes to the will of God in our lives. And we're saying, hey, what if it's wonderful? What a great perspective to have. We, don't, we haven't conquered it yet. We're not there yet. But we're, we're taking on a new idea, a new attitude, a new perspective with regard to following the Lord. Sometimes it's you got to make some tough decisions to answer the call. But hey, what if it's wonderful? Well, let's take a look at Jacob. In Genesis chapter 46, verses 1 through 4. We find Jacob nearing the end of his life. Jacob has an extraordinary encounter with our God. And it says in Genesis 46, verses 1 through 4, So Israel set out with all that was his. He set out with all that was his. And when he reached Beersheba, he offered sacrifices to God for his, of his father Isaac. And God spoke to Israel in a vision at night and said, Jacob, Jacob, here I am, he replied. I am God, the God of your father, he said. Do not be afraid to go to Egypt, for I will make you a great nation there. I will go down to Egypt with you. I will surely bring you back again. And Joseph, your son, who is now second in command in Egypt, Joseph's own hand, Close your eyes. When God called upon Jacob and he answered the call, here I am. Jacob was a very old man at that time in his life. But Jacob had not stopped seeking God and wanting God to guide and direct his life. For Jacob at his age, this meant a journey of a couple hundred miles to leave and go down into Egypt. And I think I can safely say that, that Jacob didn't ride down there on a limo or a Lexus, unless those were the names of his camels. But it was a journey that he was going to have to take. And at his, at his age... God was still wanting to use him and, and, and led him down to Egypt. He kept dreaming. He kept wanting to do the will of God. Is God talking to you this morning? Are you willing to answer the call to go wherever God may want you to go despite your fears and despite your age? Oh, I'm too old for that now. I, I, I can't do that. Is, is age, or I'm too young for that. We'll get to that in just a minute as we take a look at Samuel. Is age a barrier for you to answer the call? I'm sure you would agree that if God leads you to your Egypt, as he did Jacob, he will not abandon you or forsake you. 
Hebrews 13.5. He will always be with you, even to the end of the age. Matthew 28, verse 20. Be strong and courageous. As he said to Joshua, chapter 1, verse 1. How about Moses? In Exodus, God calls Moses from a burning bush. The moment which this moment would change Moses' life forever. Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness. He came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames, a fire within a a bush. Moses saw that, though the bush was not on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange thing. Why this bush does not burn up? Well, hello, I'd do that too, right? When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush. Moses, Moses. And Moses said, class, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Here we are again with God calling one of his servants but in a very peculiar way, don't you think? Peculiar from our standard, but not peculiar or unusual at all for God. For did not God speak through a donkey one day? Remember the conversation? And it wasn't just a one-off in, in Numbers 22 where a donkey spoke to Balaam. And it wasn't like he just said, hey, well, that'd have been bizarre in itself, but they had a—I mean—they had a conversation. They were going back and forth a little bit, and here's—and even a little bit, maybe even more crazy—is that Balaam was talking to the donkey, and they have this conversation. Does it not say in Luke 19 that if the disciples of Jesus are silent, the stones will cry out? If we believe a donkey could talk, can't we believe that God, who had nothing is impossible for him, he could make the stones cry out? Does it not proclaim that the heavens declare the glory of, of the Lord? I love Psalm Chapter 19, verses 1 through 4. Listen to this. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day they continue to speak. Night after night they make him known. They speak without a sound or a word. Their voice is never heard, yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words all over the world. Heavens 
Speak and declare the glory of the Lord. It seems that God really wanted to get Moses' attention, that he would talk to him from a burning bush that, that was not consumed. And rightfully so, because God was about to use Moses as his messenger, as his voice, to go to the great Pharaoh to set the people of Israel free. God speaking to you this morning. Don't be surprised how he might do that. Could be very unique just for you. Could be from his word. Could be from a, a trusted and respected friend who you've gone to and they've given you some advice. It could be through a, a divine series of, of, of events that God strings together and weaves together like a fine tapestry. Or maybe it's a, the pieces of the puzzle being put together, how God, and you're going to look back and go, yeah, I, I see that now how God was guiding me and directing me to answer the call of whatever that may be. None of us want to miss that holy ground moment, do we? None of us want to, want to miss God's voice in, in our burning bush moment. We don't want to miss out on that, what God may have for us in the future as we answer Look what it says in Psalm 29, verses 3 and 4. The voice of the Lord echoes above the sea. The glory of God thunders. The Lord thunders on the mighty sea. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the, of the Lord is majestic. Psalm 29, verses 3 and 4. I love this one. Very familiar one. First Kings 19, verses 11 and 12. So God said to Elijah, go forth and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord was passing by. And a great strong wind tore into the mountains and breaking them into pieces and rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came what? A still, small voice. One translation says, a gentle whisper. God speaks in all different ways. Uniquely, many times, most of the time, I think, I believe, just for us. What we need to hear. Maybe a friend. It may be a series of circumstances. It may be from God's word. Who knows what he will use to help us to answer the call. It's going to bring change. Life's going to be different. But I love what Corey Ten Boom once said. She said, I've learned to hold everything in sight. 
I've learned to hold everything before the Lord, Lisa. I'm not going to hold on to it and clutch after it. I'm going to release it all. Answer the call. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, God speaks to a, a young person named Samuel. This would be a life-changing moment for Samuel as well, for sure. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord, or before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God was not yet, had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called to Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. God was about to use a young boy to speak to Eli. And the message that Samuel had to give to Eli was not an easy message to deliver to him. It was, it was a message of judgment. But it says in 1 Samuel 3, verses 18, Samuel told Eli everything and hid nothing from him, even though it was difficult, a message that this young man was taking to this priest, Eli. Samuel grew up to become a man of God. He inspired Israel in a great victory over the Philistines, we read in chapter 7. Samuel anoints Saul as Israel's first king in chapters 9 and 10. And later on in life, Samuel anointed a young shepherd boy by the name of David to be Israel's king in chapter 16. Karen and I have been in youth ministry for 46 years and counting. We've worked with young people on three different continents. Young people can do ministry. In fact, they want to do ministry. They want to exercise the spiritual gifts that God has given them. And it was wonderful to see some young people up here today leading us in worship. And I'm so excited that you as a church are starting a new ministry to reach the college age and the young adults. Bless you. Bravo. Fantastique. Formidable. That's all French. Super. Paul certainly didn't hesitate when it came to his young disciple, Timothy. Nor did Barnabas with John Mark. God has used teenagers in the scriptures. Joseph, David. How about Mary to give birth to our Lord? A number of years ago, I was in Kenya, and I was, this is my third time, I was asked to come and speak to a, a group of uh, Kenyan youth leaders. And the leader of the group was an American missionary, and he said, Frank, you, I hear you're coming through Kenya, and he asked me, several times to come, and here I am at the third time to be there. 
So I walk in, he, there's about Matt and then his Kenyan leaders, I think he had about eight Kenyan leaders. And I walk in there and Matt says, hey, Pastor Frank's here. And they all kind of had their backs at their computers and one guy spins around and he goes, Pastor Frank? I said, yes. He said, I'm Ernest. I, I said, well, Ernest, do I know you? <laughs> and he said, well, maybe not. But when you were the chaplain at Sunshine Secondary School, which is an appointment that I received by the president of the country to be the chaplain of that school, a thousand boys in that high school, well, 800 when we first got there, but a, a thousand and they were the who's who. Their dads were the who's who of Nairobi. Members of parliament, businessmen, doctors, lawyers, all wanted to send their sons, because it was an all-boys school, to Sunshine. And I was given the privilege for five years, every Wednesday, every Sunday, to preach in chapel. What, that was mandatory. You could not go. You had to go. To preach to those boys the message of the gospel of Christ. When it first happened, Karen and I had to go over to the state house, which is like the White House, and meet President Moy. So we go over there, and we, you know, we go in there, and we meet him. And then in a presidential caravan, he takes us over to Sunshine Secondary School, where I am installed as the, the new chaplain of Sunshine. It was on TV that night, the whole shebang, because anytime the president goes anywhere, the media is there. One of my friends, a youth pastor that I was mentoring, Kenyan, Wangi Mulandi, he calls me the next day and he said, Frank, I need to talk to you and tell you what's happened to you. I said, okay, let's meet, have lunch. So we meet. And he said, Frank, what was given to you I want to tell you what has happened. Those boys that are in that school, their parents are the leaders of my country. And in probability, some of those boys are going to become the future leaders of my country. So do not take lightly the answer to call the answer in the call to be the chaplain of Sunshine Secondary School. Because you have potentially the opportunity to influence the future leaders of Kenya for Jesus Christ. I mean that put it all in perspective. And for five years I served and then the Lord led us away. But there's Ernest. Pastor Frank, do I know you? Well, Pastor Frank, you were the chaplain at Sunshine when I was there for my freshman and sophomore year. I said, well, Ernest, that's great to meet you. I hugged him, and he, I was swelled up with tears, and, and we're talking. And now I, he's, he's telling me that you preached every Sunday, every Wednesday, and I took copious notes 
of your sermons. And they're all in notebooks in my mom's house. And not only did you impact me, Pastor Frank, but you impacted so many of us. I had no idea. None. I didn't know Ernest. And now here he is, a young man, married, building his first house in Kenya, and serving in youth ministry. Young people, youth, want to do ministry. And we in the church need to give them all the opportunity we can to do so. Acts chapter 9, we come to a, a man named Ananias. And Ananias, um, he's called upon to go see somebody who's dangerous. Saul of Tarsus. And he's to go down to and find this man on a street called Straight because he's been knocked off on the road and blind. You need to go down there, Ananias. Will you answer the call, Ananias? Acts chapter 9, verses 10 through 15. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias? And he said, here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for the one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision, he, was, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. And Ananias answered, Lord, I have, I have heard from many about this man, how he has the authority from the chief priest to, to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he has chosen a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, the kings, and the children of Israel. Answering the call won't always be easy. Ananias even was hesitant. I mean, this guy could kill me. He had that kind of authority. But he went. And I encourage you to, as you're thinking about, and maybe God's calling you to do something, and you're thinking about this, read Luke 14, verses 25 through 33, where it talks about counting the costs. In verse 28 of Luke 25, it says, For which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete the task. Well, we come to Isaiah. Isaiah, the prophet, chapter 6, verses 3 through 9. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, 
The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their, of their voices and the doorposts and the thresholds shook and trembled and filled the temple with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which we had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah said, Here am I. Send me. He said, Go and tell this people. A lot of people in the scriptures who've responded to answer the call by just the mere, Here am I. But you know what? For decades and decades and decades, this church has sent out missionaries who have answered the call to go, and you've stood with them. What what a legacy. And we're part of that legacy who answered the call. And you continue to do that. Bless you. Bless you, Oakwood Bible Church. For those missionaries who have answered the call. But you know who else has answered the call? The people who are here every day making Oakwood Bible Church continue to do ministry. Pastors like Pastor Steve and Pastor Brad and others. And elders who said, yes, I'll serve. And deacons and secretaries and people who lead in worship and people who sit with the children and the babies and hold them so that a mom can get a break for an hour or so to, to worship the Lord. All of that all have answered the call and said, here I am. Yes, I'll serve in that capacity. I'll teach that Sunday school. I'll work with that youth group, whatever it is. All of you, many of you, have answered the call through the years and said, yes, Lord, here I am. Let's pray. Father, we have in the scriptures very clearly answering your call. But it, it really brings it home, I think, when we think of the, the missionaries that this church has supported for decades and the people who have served here at Oakwood for decades and who will serve church in decades to come. All of us 
answering the call that you specifically want each one of us to do. Holy Spirit, there may be someone here today wrestling, seeking, trying to figure out, oh God, what do you want me to do? Here I am. I want to serve. Lead me, guide me, direct me. I want to answer the call. Pray these things. In the wonderful, majestic splendor of the name of Jesus, our Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Let's thank the Lord for uh, And uh, thank you, Karen, for always speaking to his heart the way he needs to hear it. Right? <laughs> right, as only you can. <clears throat> so uh, it is an amazing thing with our congregation. You know, we're not the biggest church in town, but um, we're pretty mighty. I don't know if you realize this or not, but about $85,000 a year goes out to missions from this congregation annually. And as many of you know, this past year, we moved a portion of that out of the budget to put it into our hands, if you will, to support the missions budget over and above our general giving. And again, we're still in the process of continuing that movement to get missions giving out of the, the general fund. So that not only would we be giving to missions, talking about it more regularly, uh, but also that we'd be able to even do more, Lord willing, as time goes on. And so with that, uh, all of you have this little bitty slip uh, in your program material that you received. It's a little faith promise slip with a little answer to call in the front. If you open it up uh, to the first tier where it just looks just like this. You'll notice on the right-hand side it says, My faith promise. My faith promise commitment is my opportunity to give by faith above my tithe for the cause of world evangelism. As you give to missions here at Oakwood, it's not, it is precisely not our goal for you to dip into your tithing uh, in terms of how God would lead you, but uh, your gifts towards missions would be over and above what you would be tithing. Now, for some of you, you're already maxed out. We understand that. Um, but maybe you can tithe on your tithe. If you're giving $100 in your general fund giving, then you know, separate $10 out of that so it goes to missions. But even better would be for you to tithe over and above your tithe. If you're giving $100, give an extra 10 so it goes to missions. Again, whatever the Lord lays on your heart, as you open it up, it says, in dependence upon God over the next year, I will endeavor to give the amount noted below to the missionary work of our church. And then you'd put an amount in there and then mark whether it's a weekly, monthly, or biweekly. The missions team uses this to help us guide our budget in terms of where we can send funds. Uh, just so you know, as we made this first step this last year, 
around $40,000 was pledged by us in faith promises to support missions. Um, and again, we're hoping to move that even all the way to that 85 eventually. We understand it's probably going to take two to three years to get there as we emancipate that, the missions fund from the general account. But at any rate, to whatever degree that you uh, feel that this next year what the Lord is calling you to give, we encourage you to put that amount in that little blank there and then mark how often you're giving it and what age group you're from. And then tear off the little stub there, the little stub on the far side. That's for your records. It says at the bottom, keep for your records what you promised before God. Again, this is, we don't want your name on this. This is none of our business. This is what you're saying between you and the Lord. I, by faith, am asking you to help me, Lord, give this amount towards missions this year. And uh, again, we're not looking for money today, but if you're in a position to fill this out, go ahead and throw it in the box on your way out the door. But the missions conference, we've got a, another week uh, with missions conference. We'll be talking about this again. <clears throat> and uh, I encourage you and your spouse or your family to gather together and say, Lord, what should we do for missions this year? And uh, maybe that's a part of how you answer the call with what God would put in your heart. In terms of answering the call, you know, 25 years ago, I was minding my own business, selling insurance, and doing pretty well. But the Lord had his way, and, um, and I've never regretted answering the call of Christ to go where he would send, no matter where that was, even to Oakwood Bible Church, if that's the case. So with that, uh, I invite you to all stand, and let's close our service. Our gracious Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for the ministry of the mills uh, over decades. Have used, used them, you've used them in mighty ways, touching hearts and lives all over the world, places that many of us will never go. And yet uh, they've been the hands and feet, the heart of Christ, training up young men and women to touch the hearts and lives of youth for the cause of Christ. Lord, for us to even be just a part of that a little bit, a few nickels here, a few nickels there. Oh, God, use us, Lord, for your purposes in this. But not just with the mills, but uh, the, the array of other missionaries that we support. And, Lord, we long to, to send more out and to have the ability to do so. But to do that, we need the resources to do it. And so, Lord, we just ask that you would move in our midst, that you touch our hearts, that we'd be hearing from you with what you'd lay on our heart to financially support missions this next year. So, Lord, thank you. Thank you for hearing uh, these words of hope that we've heard today. And, Lord, we thank you that uh, all of us have come to Christ and one way or another, by a missionary. Somebody told us about you. And maybe there are other missionaries here that we need to be sending out. But Lord, help us to do our part as we listen to what you have to say. Thank you, Lord. We pray all this in your son's wonderful and awesome name. And all God's people said, amen. The mills will be out in the foyer. I'm going to let them escape real quick. Go ahead and go, guys.
So you got the foyer. And then be sure and greet them on your way out. Thank you so much for coming today.